Well, good morning once again. Happy Easter. Uh, it is so good to see all of you. So good to be here. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, and just the fact that we're here, just seeing all of you in person. Uh, some of you still are at home, and that's completely okay. Uh, we hope that sooner, and later, sooner than later, we can all be back together again. And just being here, I am excited. I am hopeful, grateful. But at the same time, you know, the fact that I'm so excited just to be in our parking lot, you know, being spread out, still having to wear masks, says a lot, that a lot has happened, so much has changed. And, you know, for a lot of us, it, it hasn't been an easy year, that things have been hard. So this morning, for our time together, I want to share from a passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with us, you can turn there now and we'll get to there in a few minutes. But I want to just kind of give the context of this, a little bit of background. Uh, Jesus is crucified on, on Good Friday. Three days later, he's risen from the dead, um, which is why we're here. And on the very first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' closest friends, one, one in his inner circle, she goes to the tomb with the intention of anointing Jesus' body, his corpse. But when she gets there, she finds that the stone that had been blocking the tomb, that stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty and Jesus' body is nowhere to be found. So she races back. She tells the disciples, Peter and John, they run down to the tomb and they find the exact same thing, an empty tomb, Jesus' body nowhere to be found. So they go back. But Mary remains. She's outside of the tomb. She's, she's weeping. She's grieving. She's sad, probably confused, distraught at who would take Jesus' body. When Jesus appears to her, calls her by name, shows her that he's alive and well and tells her to go back and tell the other disciples, which she does. Well, later that evening, uh, the disciples are gathered together in the room. My guess is they don't know what to make of Mary's story. John tells us that the door is locked. These disciples are still afraid. Uh, they had just seen Jesus, their leader, their Lord, arrested. They'd, they've heard about his suffering, his crucifixion. And they're worried that what happened to him might happen to them next. So they're all huddled together when John tells us that Jesus miraculously appears in their midst. He says, peace be with you. And then Jesus encourages them. He affirms them. He blesses them, which is pretty profound in light of the fact that many of them had just abandoned him. Right? They ran and they hid when they saw danger. So Jesus blesses them. He shows them his nail-pierced hands, his spear-pierced side, and then he leaves. Now just think for a moment, uh, you're the disciples right after Jesus leaves. Like the awe and wonder that you're experiencing. You can imagine them just sitting around in a circle, just, somebody pinch me, pinch me. Did that really just happen? Like, that was the best thing that ever happened in my life. How about you? Anything better in your life? No, no, best thing ever. Best thing ever. And they're just pumped. 
they're excited, they're relieved, they're hopeful, they're eager of just what it might mean that Jesus is alive. There's only one problem. Only 10 of the 11 remaining disciples was there. There was one who was missing. And you know what the first thing those 10 went and did? They went to go tell number 11, Thomas. Now just imagine that you're Thomas. You come back to the room, you you secretly do your secret knock. Like, hey guys, it's me, Thomas, let me in. You walk into this room and you see all 10 of your buddies just looking at you. And their eyes are wide open, they're smiling. You're like, something just happened, something's up. And then one by one, they're like, Bro, you missed it. Oh my gosh, Jesus. He came. He visited us. He he blessed us. He encouraged us. He affirmed us. Showed us the, the holes in his hands. The hole in his side. Oh man, I wish you would have been here. It was like the best thing that's ever happened to us ever and we got to experience it together but don't worry man I'm sure you'll get to see him at some point you know I'm sure there'll be an Instagram post somewhere we'll tag you on it don't worry like you can imagine what you felt is Thomas right so look how Thomas responds we're gonna pick up in John chapter 20 verse 24 it says now Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we, not you, we, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. For whatever reason, Thomas wasn't there. He missed out. And John doesn't really tell us where Thomas was or why he wasn't there. But maybe he had a good reason. Maybe Thomas had a good reason why he wasn't there. Maybe he he didn't have a good reason. Maybe he was out getting supplies for the group. Maybe he was out collecting information, trying to figure out what to do next, where they needed to go. Maybe he was the only one who wasn't too afraid to go out and check up on family members and friends. So maybe Thomas had a good reason. There's a good chance he did. Or maybe he didn't have a good reason. Maybe he was too afraid to be with the other ten, so he hid out on his own. Maybe he was annoyed with the group and just needed some me time. Maybe he'd rather watch the Sunday night football game than attend the first ever Easter night service. You know, maybe Thomas had a good reason, maybe he didn't. But for whatever the reason was, Thomas hears what all ten disciples are telling him. He hears Mary's story. He hears them share about Jesus' hands and his side. 
And Thomas's response to them is, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Peter. I don't believe you, John. I don't believe you, James, Jimmy, Philip, Simon, Matthew, Bartholomew, and good Judas. I don't believe any of you. Unless I see his hand. Unless I see his side. Unless I put my finger in his hand. And my hand in his side, I will not believe. And it's kind of an interesting response, right? I mean, really, Thomas? The disciples say we saw his hands and his side, and you say unless I put my finger in it, I will not believe. Now, scriptures are silent. John doesn't tell us the real reason that Thomas is is struggling here. But it's hard not to wonder whether this was doubt that is purely objective, factual, or this is doubt that's a little emotional, a little subjective. Like, is this doubt that's based on science and medicine, facts? Like, scientifically, is it possible for someone to die and come back to life and not be a zombie? Medically, is it possible for the 10 people to have the exact same hallucination? You know, maybe something in the water, something in the wine and the food? Like, is this doubt that is purely scientific and factual, or is this doubt that is personal, a little emotional, relational? Right? Is this Thomas subconsciously saying to God, like, God, you, you did all this for them? Like, what about me? Why couldn't you come when, when I was there? A day earlier, a few hours later. Why haven't you visited me yet? Bless me, encourage me, affirm me, comforted me. You know, many of us are here today as believers because we believe that Jesus died and rose again that he conquered sin and death, that he ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, has given us the Holy Spirit. And today of all days, Easter Sunday, is the day that we declare it, we profess it, we celebrate it. And we give God as much praise and as thanks as we possibly can that our broken, imperfect selves can possibly give. And I think all of us would agree that that is the appropriate response in light of what God has done. But at the same time, I think some of us are are struggling. It's been a hard year. We've had to, to live with the fear of COVID, whether for ourselves, our loved ones, Some of us struggle with loneliness, isolation, depression, struggled financially, worried about our jobs, career, our our livelihoods, our ability to provide. Some of us have lost loved ones, parents, siblings, dear friends. Some of us experience sickness and disease. 
We've lived an entire year filled with tension, division, disunity. Politically, seeing the racism, misogyny, the injustice, the division and disunity, not just amongst our country, but amongst Christians, family members, friends. And then for some of us, these past few weeks have been even harder as Asian Americans, seeing the heightened violence and racism towards us because of how, how we look. And maybe that's affected you directly. Maybe that's affected your family members, your friends. Maybe it's just hit close to home, triggered certain feelings, certain emotions that we've tucked away and buried for, for quite some time. And thus we're here, and we're so grateful for what God has done, and we want to give him praise for his death and his resurrection, but there's a part of us that's also weary and tired, maybe frustrated and angry, worried and afraid. And there's a part of our soul that's saying, God, I thank you for what you've done, but... Where are you? Where were you when I needed you? Where were you when they needed you? Why aren't you responding? Why haven't you shown up? And look how Jesus responds to Thomas's struggle. Struggle that we ourselves might be experiencing today. Continuing on in verse 26, it says, A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So an entire week goes by. You can imagine how long of a week that was for Thomas. Right? Constantly scrolling through Instagram, seeing their stories about Jesus, posting about Jesus, posting the repost about Jesus, reposting the repost about Jesus. Right? Hearing them, come on Thomas, really for reals. Whole week goes by. They're gathered together and Jesus appears. Peace be with you. Now it would have been perfectly understandable. I think it would have made sense if Jesus chased Thomas just a little bit, right? Just a little, not a lot, just a little. Like, like Thomas, really? Like, you've had a long week, I kind of had a long week. I told Mary, I told all ten. Like, you got to stick your finger in my hand. Like, really, Thomas? But there's none of that. Jesus simply walks over to Thomas in front of all the other disciples. He says, here are my hands. Here is my side. And what Jesus is saying to Thomas is, Thomas, 
I know your questions and your concerns. I know your hurt and your pain. I know your frustration and your anger. I know your doubts and insecurity. And I'm not bothered by it. I'm not offended by it. I'm not annoyed by it. But those things matter to me because you matter to me. And I don't just love you in spite of those things, but I want to love you through those things. I want to answer your questions. I want to heal your pain. I want to address your fears, address your anger. I want to comfort you in your distress. You need to place your finger in my hands. Put your hand in my side. Well, here are my hands. And here is my side. And Thomas's response, my Lord and my God, you are my Lord and my God. For those of us who are struggling here this morning, for those of us who are weary and tired, frustrated, angry, sad, afraid, overwhelmed, burdened, Easter is the reminder that those things matter to God because you matter. That it's okay to acknowledge all that God has done and still want more and need more. That our God is so good, so loving, that despite all that he has done, he wants to do more. He wants to give more. He wants to show us more. He wants to meet us in our hurt, in our weariness, in our frustration, in our anger. He wants to answer our questions. He wants to heal our wounds. He wants to free us from our fears, from our anger. He wants to give us rest for our weariness. So as we close our, our time here this morning, as we continue to, to worship and praise and give thanks, let us give thanks. Let us praise God for all that he has done. Let us declare it. Let us celebrate it. But at the same time, let us bring him our struggles. Let us bring him our worries, our doubts, our frustration, our anger. And let us bring it to him with hope, with faith, and all of the good that he will do. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we are in awe of the kind of God that you are. And we give you thanks. We praise you for your life, your death, your resurrection, for conquering sin and death, for salvation, for the spirit who lives and reigns in us. At the same time, God, we bring you our struggles, God. We bring you our hurt, our questions, the pain, the anger. And we entrust it to you, God. We ask that you reveal more of your love. You reveal more of your goodness. That you meet us where we need you the most right now. So wherever we are right now, we come before you. 
We invite you to come and be with us and meet with us in that place. In Jesus' name, amen.